Lord has spoken. Understand Asa Shaman. I know it's a little bit dangerous for me to put my emotions on you. So let me just talk about what I... Last Sunday, when uh, people in this service streamed forward with their envelopes in hand to lay on the altar and say, I'm going to join in this fast for 40 days. It starts this Wednesday. And uh, you're fasting for something. You're fasting from something. I got to tell you, it was emotional watching that. Uh, every service, this service uh, uh, in particular... Um, before Sunday was over, three people had written things on their card. They already had answers before they walked out the door. Isn't that cool? And over 3,100 envelopes were turned in. Uh, I, I think that's a praise. Now, we did not open them. I promise you didn't. But because we have to know the amount of postage to put on them to mail them back, uh, we found out that certain envelopes had definitely more than one card in it. We're guessing that over 4,000 people, based on that, are going to be fasting starting Wednesday. Now, Wednesday, at, uh, uh, we're going to invite you to come here. Generate's going to host, and Fuse is going to join in, and the rest of the church is going to join, and it'll be 7.30 to 8.45 in here. We're going to focus on the Lord. We're going to have a time of prayer and anointing with oil, and then we're going to begin our fast together. If you can't be here, obviously, you can start the fast anyway, but if you can, I think it's going to be an amazingly powerful night for us to gather together this Wednesday, 7.30 in here. I would generate hosting, Fuse joining in, and the rest of the church. So I invite you to come be a part of that. All right. Um, I don't know if you're like me. I love tech stuff. I, I'm a very tech guy. And whenever something new comes out, I'm always looking at it. Well, I'm going to talk about something that's not brand new, but they've upgraded it, so it's way better. And uh, it's called Shazam. Anybody else use Shazam? Okay, good. A lot of you do. Matter of fact, more of this service than most. But Shazam is pretty cool. What it is, it's on our iPhones, and, and I think it's also Android. But what it is, when a song is playing, you hit tag, hold it up, and it comes back and tells you the song and all the lyrics. And on top of that now, it pops up the lyrics bouncing around to the beat of the music so you can sing along with it, which Pam has asked me not to do anymore. Um, so I was showing this to some people, including Pam. And a couple of weeks ago, Pam's sitting over there and she's thinking about Shazam, I guess, bored in my sermon. So she hits it and holds it up to my sermon. And it comes back and says, Gray Glory, Harvest 2002. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. But the reason I'm telling you that is what I'm about to do is share with you a message inspired by a friend of mine. About 40% of it straight from him. Uh, but what happened is a friend of mine named Dave Stone, who's a pastor at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, a church of 22,000 people. And Dave is one of the most godly, amazingly gifted pastors ever. And he preached this message, and the whole time he's preaching, we're all looking at each other and saying, this is 24-7. This is what we're talking about. This is, by the way, Jubilee. 
How do we, if you haven't caught it, we're in this Jubilee series. One of the ways you get freed from things is through fasting. Another way is through self-control. Another way is through putting it on, just laying it out to God and saying, erase it from my life. But, but today we're going to talk about how we get freed through lavish living. And um, as Dave is preaching, I, I got very, very convicted. And as we all talked later on, we said we got to share this at Crossroads. So I'm going to share with you uh, something that hit me. And I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to ask this question. Will it hit you too? This is very personal to me. And I want to share that. I hope it hits you too. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would literally take this time right now and open our minds and our hearts to who you are. God, touch us. Enlighten us. Call us to be people who when we say we love you with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul, we really do. And we don't just have that be words that are thrown out there. It's truly what fills us and flows from us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mrs. Hollis Sharp lives in Pasadena, California. She's an elderly woman, and her nightly ritual is to take her poodle, Jonathan, a kind of a large poodle, out on his nightly walk. Being a really good neighbor, she always brings a bag with her because... Being the dog, Jonathan will leave deposits on the neighbor's lawn, and so she always picks them up. And so one night, she was getting ready to take uh, Jonathan out, and she grabbed a Nordstrom's bag to put the deposit into. Well, she was on her way back home when a man leaped out of the bushes, knocked her to the ground, grabbed the bag, and ran off. (laughs) Uh, When the police interviewed her, she was bruised, but she had a great sense of humor. And she said to the police officer, quote, I just wish I had more in the bag to give him. (laughs) That's called lavish giving. Uh, She wanted to lavish it on this guy. Uh, We're going to talk about lavish, and we're going to talk about it from the perspective of of Mary. I I know most of you know this, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Jesus had a, a family he was just so endeared to. It was Lazarus, whom he would raise from the dead, Martha and Mary. He loved them. He spent time with them. He would stop to be with them. And uh, one time, many of you already know this, he stopped in with bringing all the apostles. And and Martha is busy trying to prepare a meal for everybody. And Mary isn't helping her. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging on every word. And she just decides she can't stand it and even makes a scene and says, Master, don't you care that Mary's not helping me? And uh, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about so many things. But only one thing is truly needful, and Mary has chosen that, and I'm not taking it from her. Now, I don't know if you would just join me in this. I'm a Martha. I, I get troubled and worried about so many things. I, I, I have all these details in mind that very often in my natural tendency, I'm tempted to leave out that which is most important, being with the Lord. We call this our 24-7 intentional intimacy. Just sitting with the Lord, loving on Him, letting Him love on me and pour into me. And I just tend to get taken away from that. Well, there are a lot of Marthas in this room today. Well, it would be about a year and a half later that Jesus is now very close to actually facing the, the impending hour of His death. He knows He's going to die. He knows He's going to be tortured. And he comes to this moment now where he stops to see Lazarus and Martha and Mary. He's grieved and hurting, but no one seems to notice. I mean, the crowds could not be bigger. The acclaim could not be louder. 
I mean, if he was at the height of popularity, it's right at this moment. But he knows that the crowds that proclaimed Hosanna are about to scream, crucify, crucify. And only one person seems to notice it all, the pain and the agony and the burden he's bearing. And in John chapter 12, we begin to see it. It says this in verse 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound, a pound, a very costly perfume of pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, I want to make sure you don't miss this before we read on. What she did in this moment was incredibly out of the custom of the day. I think the reason I want to say that is because it's a tendency in our mind to act like, well, hey, everybody did that back then. But actually, it was less likely to be done then than it would be in our day and time. You know why? People's feet were considered disgusting. They wore sandals and walked through the dirt. I I mean, the foot of of someone was considered the lowest thing possible. And feet could be seen as a demeaning thing. And in the midst of a culture like that, she did something extravagant and lavish. She did something out of the ordinary. Could you imagine today if while you're taking communion, guys, if all of a sudden you felt something tugging at your feet, you looked down, and a girl was tugging off your shoes, pouring perfume on it, and taking her hair and... Do you think any of you, would you go, get away from me? Anybody here okay with that? And you know what? Back then it wasn't okay either. As a matter of fact, even more not so, because if a woman took down her hair in public, it proclaimed her a prostitute. And so Mary is doing something not culturally appropriate. She's doing something that, that would be literally not done and extravagant. And so in the midst of doing this, Jesus looks and he sees the love she has, but she is so taken by how he's feeling. She is so caught up in the moment that she can't stand it. And she does something incredibly, incredibly out of the box. And notice the reaction Judas gives. Verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 300 denarii, by the way, is one year's wage, which I, I went ahead and looked. In the corona area, the average household, and, and this just is our average right now, makes $70,000 a year. So what she did was give $70,000 of perfume in a moment, lavishly dumped on him, that can never be taken back. One year's wage. It says in verse 6, now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. As he had in the money box and he used to pilfer what was put into it. Where I want to go, and I want us to dig into it more in a moment, is I want you to not miss this. If we have a lavish love for Jesus Christ, we'll also have critics. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, God will be pleased with you and there will be people who will persecute you. That's always going to happen. You see, I hope that we're a church family that loves the Lord with everything we have. But when, if we do, if we come in here and say, you know what, Lord, we want to give to you, and God, we want to worship you, and we want to love you, and we want to pour out to you, there's going to be all sorts of people who will criticize us. By the way, usually because their motives are bad and their motives are wrong. Uh, one, of our, our, one of the guys I, I share life with was telling me that recently he had a critic come to him And the man made an attack on Crossroads and said, oh, Crossroads, all you guys are in is into big buildings and lights. 
And my friend looked at him and said, that's not accurate. He said, uh, uh, do you realize what we do to reach out to our own community and adopt a block in Corona Norco Rescue Mission and, and now we're working in a neighborhood in Anaheim? Do you realize what we do around the world? And he began to share that literally we actually put out millions of dollars to touch lives. And then he asked the guy the pointed question, uh, what do you do? What do you think he does? Nothing. Oh, if he's so concerned about the poor, he doesn't put one penny into it, but he can attack us and, and put us down. You see, the truth of the matter is, the good news is we don't care what he thinks at this point. All we care about is what God thinks. And, and we're going to keep serving the Lord and loving the Lord and having a lavish desire for the Lord. But whenever you do, you'll have a critic. There'll always be something. And so come up later that God's going to, Jesus is going to point out. And, and there's always people like that. Uh, by the way, you know, I, I just want to say this, and I'm not trying to be mean, but let's just get honest about this. You know what? If I preach a sermon on tithing, do you know what's going to happen? Everybody in here who loves God and tithes is going to cheer. And those who are selfish are not. Now you might go, ooh, that's kind of mean. But again, remember, I'm telling you something that convicts me. I'm a very selfish person. I'm a very self-seeking person. And far too often, my motives are not pure. It's about me. I know very often the Lord looks at me and says, Chuck, you say you love me with all your heart, mind, and soul. The truth is you love you with all your heart, mind, and soul. And we've got to flip it. We've got to get it right. That's why people who love the Lord are, are, are in tune with the Lord. Don't miss this. Mary, in that moment, cared more about how Jesus felt than she cared about how she felt. I want to say that again. Mary in this moment was more concerned with how Jesus felt than how, how she felt. How, how, how are you in that? How am I? How many times? By the way, let me say this. God does not mind. He even loves that you ask him for things. But have you ever talked to him about how he feels? Have you ever said, Lord, man, I saw on the news what happened to that little girl and I know it broke your heart. I know you better than that. Lord, I, I know of a couple and they just yelled and screamed in front of their kids and their house isn't at home and I know it breaks your heart. Lord, I, I saw someone do something the other day and Jesus, you died for that. Have we ever thought about how he, do we get concerned about that? Because Mary was so in love with Jesus, she comes up in that moment and Jesus doesn't miss it. Look what it says in verse six. Now, he said this, not, or verse 7, verse 7. Therefore Jesus said, let her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Did you catch that? She's got it. She knew what I was thinking. She knows how I feel. Verse 8, for you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. See, I, we got to care about people who have needs, but we got to care about the Lord. And Mary in that moment did something extravagant. She literally broke that, that, that nard upon him, that perfume upon him. I mean, she gave in a big way, a lavish way. She wasn't holding back. And, and she had three things true of her that I need to have true of me. And I think you need of you. If we want to live a lavish life, there's three things that must feed into that. Number one, we need to love lavishly. We need to love lavishly. And that's exactly what she did. God calls for us to do that towards him and towards others. 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, did you catch that? Above all, 
fervently, be, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Keep fervent. The word fervent means heated, passionate, excited. Uh, uh, it means an intentionality to it. And God says, you know what I want you to do? Make sure above everything else you do, have fervent love for one another. In Romans 12, 9 to 11, Paul says it this way. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Now catch verse 11. Not lagging behind in diligence. Not lagging in diligence. Be diligent to do that. And then he says, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Th- th- this feeling of and fervency of love, God wants me to have that for other people. But too often that's not who I am. And if I'm going to be the kind of person that Jesus wants me to be, I've got to love lavishly. I've got to make sure it's fervent. I've got to make sure it's, it's with passion. And it needs to be with diligence. And that's what we need to do. By the way, the Lord says that he wants us to do that towards him. That we would love him with all our heart, mind, and soul. He wants us to do towards others. That we would love our neighbor as ourselves. But are you ready for this? He wants us to do it towards our enemy. That love is so overwhelming and all pervasive that even those people who are enemies we love. Jesus said some amazingly Shocking words. Look into what they say. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Did you catch that? When I have someone who's against me and attacking me and persecuting me, what do I do? I do good to them. I love them. I pray for them and I bless them. That, that's the opposite of what I want to do in my nature. But if love is above all and fervent, then I'm going to be that kind of person, Jesus says. Verse 29. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold from him your shirt either. Verse 30. Give to everyone who asks of you And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. That's the golden rule. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But, what's the difference? Notice what Jesus said. But love your enemies, do good and lend and expect nothing in return, and your reward in heaven will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Um, Jamie Snyder is a pastor who's a part of the fellowship of churches we're a part of back east. And Jamie had read the words that you and I just looked at, and Jamie began to say, God, I don't want to just read words. I want to live this out. I want to be this kind of person. And he said, but Lord, I don't know that I can name an enemy right now. And then God prompted his mind. Jamie, uh, like all of us who are born-again Christian, is pro-life. He believes in the protection of the life of the innocent. But there was a doctor in town that he knew performed abortions, the only one in the city limits. And he knew about the picketing and he knew about the attacks and he knew about all those things. And, and to be honest, he just wanted it to end. But he, he had made this man in his mind an enemy. And he thought, I've got to show love to him. He began to research and found out, uh, interestingly, this doctor was Islamic. And by the way, Islam is also against abortion. So he had to be in a crisis of faith. 
And he thought, I've got to reach out to him. So he got with a friend and he told him what he was thinking and they prayed about it and they decided to kind of reach out in a way that might be a little more tangible and they bought a gift for the doctor they felt led to get and they went to the doctor's clinic and walked in with this package, this gift and the receptionist was sitting there and she looked wide-eyed and he said, uh, and she goes, can I help you? And he said, yeah, we wanted to give this to the doctor. Well, you don't drop a wrapped package to an abortion clinic. You know, you catch where I'm going. And so she's just a little freak. goes, no, 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 honestly, look, I'm Jamie Schneider. I'm a pastor in town. And, and I just wanted to drop this off just to say that, you know, we're praying for him. And, and, and the doctor heard and he walked out and said, can I help you? He knew Jamie Schneider's name. He knew the church. And he said, yeah, I, he said, I, I don't want to take a lot of your time, but I just wanted to give you this as a gift. It truly is a gift. But I want to tell you something. I'm here to apologize. And the doctor said, why do you need to apologize? Have you done anything to me? He goes, no, I haven't. But I know people who say they're Christians have. And I want you to know that while you and I probably could not disagree more on what you're doing, I want you to know something. I'm sorry if you've ever been attacked or ridiculed. I'm sorry if your family has ever been made to feel unsafe. And I'm sorry if any of us who named the name of Christ didn't show you love. And I want to apologize if that didn't happen. And the doctor said, would you come in my office? He had a waiting room full. And they go in, and for an hour and a half with the receptionist constantly saying, doctor, you have appointments, the doctor just sat and talked and shared and listened. They even got into the issue of the crisis of faith. He began to see how shaken this man was. And, and again and again, they got to talk and, and him say, you know what, but no matter how we, we act, I want you to know, I don't want you to think I hate you. And, and as they, the doctor said, look, I got to get to my patients, but can we meet again? And by the way, they made an agreement and have kept it to meet once a month. But before it ended, Jamie said to the doctor, he said, before I go, I want to ask you something. You, I am sure, know what Christians are against, don't you? And the doctor said, oh yeah, I know what you're against. Jamie said, do you know what we're for? And the doctor said, no, honestly, I don't. He said, well, let me tell you, we're for God and we're for love, and we're for love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. That's what we're for. And the doctor wanted to know more. That's what we do. We love. We love. And God's desires that you and I be that way, that that's who we are. Let me ask a question. Who is it that I, and I'm asking me, who is it that I need to love in a lavish way? It, do I have an enemy that I need to send a note to or call or, or, or you know, Facebook or email or, or get a gift for? Do you need to do that? For some of you, is it a coworker that you've been praying would not show up for work for all these reasons, maybe die? You know, is that who you are? Is there some of you that, you know what, the enemy might be a neighbor and you just can't, you, you duck them and don't want to look at them. For some of you, is your enemy someone in your family that you just dread being around? Are there some of you here that the enemy is the person you're married to and the life insurance looks pretty good right now? <laughs> and you know what? What if we said I'm not going to act any other way than be fervently loving? Then what would happen is we would be like Christ. We would be the one who loves anyway and loves every way. And we, that's who we would be. And you would start living and experiencing a lavish life when you and I love lavishly. So Mary loved Jesus in a very lavish way. Do you know what else she did? She gave in a lavish way. 
She, she gave lavishly. You can't just love lavishly. That means you've got to always give. By the way, catch that. Loving means giving. You might say, where do we get that from? Well, I think you already know. If we're going to be like Christ, if we're going to be godly, then we need to be someone who emulates God. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he what? You know, so you and I, you know, Warren Worsby says this, we can't say we love God with closed hands. We have to open them. And then we'll end up with an open heart. We've got to be someone who gives lavishly. Uh, a friend of mine is a bank president, and he's actually retired. And I'm going to date myself a little bit here. But what happened is, is before he was a Christian, he was a really good husband, a really good father. But, but he didn't value his wife at the level that a Christian would with that, you know, lavish love. And so what happens, when he gave his life to the Lord, it became pretty apparent to him that he never really made his wife feel loved and feel honored. And he didn't wow her, but that wasn't in his nature. He's a bank president. He likes numbers, and he likes being meticulous. And the idea, you know, he brings a paycheck home, and he doesn't lie or cheat. You know, is that enough? And he realized it's not enough. So he realized his wife's love language was giving gifts and getting gifts. And he's not a gift giver. So one day when he thought, I'm going to show my wife love, I, I need to find a way to do it. Well, they were watching TV, and this is where I'm going to date myself. A commercial came on for a perfume called L'Air du Temps. Anybody ever, anybody know L'Air du Temps? Not very many. In the 8 o'clock hour, a lot of us did. That's the older service. Um, and if that goes out on tape, I'm dead. But anyway, um, L'Air du Temps was this wonderful perfume and it had a commercial where these doves come floating down and would land and then they, they would turn into a crystal uh, cover for the, the perfume. So it's a very high-end perfume, at least back then it was. So the wife's going, oh, and she's so in awe of it. And he's thinking, that's what she wants. So he doesn't mention anything. The next day, he rushes over at lunch hour to Nordstrom's, goes to the counter, and he says, excuse me, do you have that perfume with the doves on it? And the girl goes, oh, yeah, we do. And he goes, well, I want to buy some for my wife. And she walks out with a bottle about this big, real little. And he looked and thought, that's not going to wow her. Uh, he goes, do you have anything bigger? And she, the girl looked and goes, oh, you must really love your wife. He said, I do. Bring me a bigger bottle. So she comes out and she puts a, you know, a lot bigger bottle, sets it down. He goes, all right. He hands the credit card, but he goes, I'm in a hurry quick. He doesn't look at what he signs. So she's wrapped it up. He gets home. He says, honey, I want to give you something. She sits down. She opens it. She screams. Ah, she can't believe it. She goes, you got this for me. You love me. He's like, yeah, I love you. He didn't know he loved her for $7,500. Seven thousand five hundred. That was back then. That'd be like twenty thousand. I don't know, fifteen, twenty thousand today. I mean, this was in the eighties. Seven thousand five hundred. And his wife thought you're the best, and he thought I better be for a long time. And uh, <laughs> he gave her a lavish gift. There's a verse of scripture you know by heart. And you ready? I know you know it by heart. It's Acts twenty thirty five. You might say, "Well, wait, do I know that?" I think you do. Jesus is the one who said it. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Don't you, you, you and I know that. The question for me, do I live it? My wife's a giver. So we're walking along, approaching somebody who's in need in the moment. And you know what I do? I do some mental thoughts about, okay, what can I spare? And Pam looks at him and thinks, what can I give? I told you the sermon's about me. What can I spare? What can I give to you so it doesn't affect me? How can I hold on to more instead of let go? 
And, uh, you know, whenever I do that, the Lord says, What's, what are you doing? Is life about you? The word repent is a beautiful word. It means that God will allow us to change. Did you know that? And I've been having to say ever since I heard this, I got to repent. I got to repent. I got to repent. Because I could talk about it all I want. Do I want to live it? Am I a grudging giver or a cheerful giver? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8 says, Now this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. Here's why. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every need. Now grab that. God loves a cheerful giver. The, the word cheerful in the Greek, and the New Testament is written in Greek, is the Greek word hilarion. You know where we get the word hilarious? The word literally means to double over in laughter. In other words, if I tell a joke and you go, ah, oh, that's not hilarion. It's when you're like laughing so hard you're crying. And God says, when you and I have that kind of an attitude that we just literally double over with joy, because we're giving to God. We're giving to others. We're a giving person of energy and time in lots of lavish ways. And we just lavish it on. God says, then your life's filled with joy. And he said, I want, I, that's what I love. I love you to be that way. And, and you and I need to be that way. And then he says, when you do, I'm able to make all grace abound to you. Jamie Fall is, uh, I'm sorry, um, Jeff Fall. Jeff Fall is another pastor within our group. And uh, Jeff is a Dave Ramsey guy. He, he's got his debt paid off and he keeps a balance sheet, knows where every penny goes and his investments. And Jeff felt led by God to do something he didn't plan to make public, but because of what happened, he did. He uh, uh, had a, a financial ledger. He decided to start a heavenly ledger. Here's what he did. He said, you know what, God? I'm just going to keep track of every time I give over and above my tithe. You know, the tithe is just what I return to you. But every time I give over and above, either to the church or a missionary or a single mom or someone in need, I'm just going to jot it down and, and keep track of it. He just wanted to kind of see what he does as he just lets God lead him. So, you know, for instance, a missionary did need some money, and so he committed over a year period to give above and beyond his tithe to that missionary. And then there, there was a, a single mom that had a need, and he and his wife anonymously, secretly decided to, to make sure and bless her life. Uh, he had a practice of going into a restaurant every now and then just praying, saying, God, should I pay for someone's meal? And he would just do that secretly. And so he started, every time he did that, jotting it down. Well, what happened is he got shocked by something. Uh, for instance, he, he wasn't, it, it wasn't unusual that at times people would pay for his meal. But he found that every time he paid for someone else's meal, he would get two of his paid for some, right away. He said that, wow, where did, he, never, he noticed it happened, but not to that degree. He bought one, he got two. Uh, there was a, a single mom and a missionary, like I told you, he was deciding to bless, and he had agreed to speak at a church, a small church, and they said, we're going to pay you $1,000. Well, he trusted the church to do it, so he sent $500 before he even got there to each one of the, the single mom and to the missionary. But then when he got to the church, the chairman of the elders said, look, we've been praying and um, I know we told you we'd pay you 1000 We're going to pay you 2500 Here's what he found out. God blessed him more than two to one on everything he did. And here's what Jeff said. He said, you cannot outgive God. Now, I don't know if you believe that. I, I got to tell you, I know you can't outgive God. You know, you just, every time you go to do it, uh, you can't do that. 
And you might say, where do you get that from? Well, not only from experience, but from Jesus. Peter was telling Jesus, we gave up everything for you. Listen to what Jesus said to him in Mark 10, verses 28 to 31. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one, no one, catch this, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or farms for my sake in the gospels, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age. Did you catch that? A hundred times as much now in the present age. Uh, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms. And then he says, along with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. Now, now don't miss what he's saying. Now, you might go, wait, why does it say along with persecution? Here's why. Because if you're a Mary who does something that lavish for the Lord, there will be, there will be detractors. There will be critics. There'll be people attacking you. But you know what you're going to find? That will just pale in comparison to the blessing of God poured out upon you. You and I cannot outgive God. When I love lavishly, I'm going to get loved back more. When I give lavishly, God's going to bless back more. He just does that. And I think God loves it. I think to God it's sometimes funny. Tony Campolo is a guy I like to call a friend. Tony knows who I am. I don't know how close he considers this. But um, I, I love his speaking. I love his books. I love his challenge. I, I mean, I love that he's just out there. Well, he was sharing something one time that he was listening to a missionary speak. And the missionary had a special project going. And, and he and his wife were getting ready to buy a brand new car because their car had 120,000 miles on it. And, and they had a down payment saved up and they knew they could afford the monthly payments. And um, he started praying about it. And he, he said to his wife, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give the down payment to the missionary. And if you agree, what we'll do is we'll give him the car payment we would have made until our car breaks down, then we'll get a new one. She goes, oh, she was, that's great. She was so excited about it. She thought, I can't believe you're giving. And Tony thought, I'm going to do it. So he put that amount of money in, and then he knew in his mind that he would send the money. So every month, you know, he's sending the money. But he figured, you know, my car's got 120,000 miles. When it breaks down, I'll get a new one. Now, he, he kind of decided to stack the deck a little. He wasn't going to do an oil change. He, he literally, it broke down. That was it. But the problem was that 140,000 miles, it hadn't broken down. 150,000 miles, it had not broken down. 180,000 miles, no oil change, it's running great. And he's thinking, I can't believe this car. I want a new car. Well, he came walking in the house one day and was just so excited. His wife said, why are you so happy? He said, you know that car out there? One of the tires, all the tires are bad, but one of the tires, the tread's showing through. And she said, you better get it fixed, that's unsafe. He says, nope. I'm going to let it, he goes, I'll drive careful. I'm going to take the risk. But the minute one of those tires goes, I get a new car. And she's like, honey. He goes, no, 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 I'm going to do that. Well, he was speaking at a church two hours away. He's driving there in the slow lane, waiting for a tire to go, and it won't go. But he's thinking, anytime it's going to go. He pulls in the church parking lot, pow. It goes down. He got out. He's so excited. Yeah, I was even, God kept me safe. I get a new car. I'm so excited. In his mind, he's thinking about which car he's going to buy. He's already been praying about it. He's all excited. He said, man, that night, you can't believe, I preached so good because I had been faithful to God and I'm going to get a new car. And he walked outside and there were four brand new tires on it. And he's thinking, What happened? And a guy walked up and said, hey, um, you know what? I own a tire shop and I saw you had a flat and then your other three weren't good. So I want you to know I had my guys come over. Those are the best tires on the market. 
They'll probably last you two, three years. You know, and, don't you think God does that? I, I just, actually, I know he does. And you know what? If you're not living a life like that with God, then why not? Well, the answer might be that you're like me. And I struggle with being selfish versus being sacrificing. I struggle with being, you know, very inward instead of outward. I, I, I don't, maybe I don't trust him enough. But those who love the Lord like Mary did, they love lavishly. She, she saw Jesus' need and poured love out on him. They give lavishly. And the last thing, are you ready? They commit lavishly. It's a lavish commitment. Lavish love, lavish giving, and lavish commitment. She threw everything out there. See, that's what I don't want you to miss. In that moment when she came and she took her hair down and she broke it, there's no going back. She did a no going back moment. It was a total commitment. She has thrown herself into this. And if it goes bad, it goes bad. But she's throwing herself in the feet of the Lord saying, here I am. And, and the good news is, of course, God always picks us up. God always throws his arms around. She, she trusted him enough to do that. She didn't hold back. Over the years, I've seen people do that. I've seen people say, you know what, I'm not going to go part way. I'm throwing myself in the arms of God. By the way, that's how you do it. Have you ever thought, how do you get into cold water correctly? If the ocean's cold and you try to wade in, it kills you. Dive in. How do you get into the arms of God? You don't go, God, kind of, you know, you throw yourself in the arm of God. No haphazardness, just complete throwing yourself out there in a lavish way, a trusting way. Dave Stone called and told a story that reminded me of something that happened in my life. Uh, I was directing a camp at Angeles Crest Christian Camp for high school students. Uh, we had a, a, a group of kids, this kind of dates me a little, who were goth. Anybody remember goth? You know, the, the makeup and then long nails. Those were the guys. And, um, and by the way, I'm serious. Long black hair. Everybody had black hair, long trench coats. So we had a group of students who were there like that. And, and we were loving on them and caring about them. And Thursday night comes. And we had been praying God would do something. And I, I give kind of this invitation. And one of the guys gets up and walks down to the front. And, and he's a big old goth guy. And he said, you know, I've been fighting against this. But God's got me. And I decided if I'm going to be his, no holding back. So tonight I'm, I'm declaring that I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. But I'm going to mean it. And he reached in his long trench coat and pulled out a baggie about that big filled with marijuana. And he threw it in the fire. <laughs> yeah boy was the worship that night good I mean it just you know hey uh, wow now we got the kids to leave you know but the counselors stayed for a long time um, I'm kidding I'm kidding but no he threw it in the fire I mean it was a lot of money to him and, and it, it meant a lot to him and, but that was the old him uh, it reminds me of something that happened in the book of Acts in chapter 19 in Ephesus. It says, And many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it was several million dollars. Several million. A revival happened and they came and said, Get rid of all this. And they just burned it and dumped it. And, and they didn't say, Hey, what could we get out of it? It's like we're just giving this to God and we want it out of our life. And, and I just want to be His. And when someone's that committed, you know what happens is they find that much compassion from God and that much love from God and that much victory from God. People who kind of throw themselves out there are still overwhelmed with problem and never set free. I'm not saying this to be 
someone who makes someone feel guilty. I'm just saying that's, you either throw yourself in or not. You're either passionate or not. No lukewarm. And the Lord says, I don't want you to be that way. I want to have this love relationship with you that's meaningful and matters. So here's the question for you now. This was convicting for me. I don't know if it is for you. I hope for some of you it is, because I want to tell you it's a God who loves you. The word repent is one of the most beautiful words I've ever heard. Because the Lord I know looked at me and said, Chuck, you love you with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's time to repent. Start loving me that way. And I actually got to tell you, as I sat there, I said, God, I'm sorry. I really am. I, I drift in and out of this, and I can't believe you just keep loving me. And he does. The other night, actually last night, I was in the toy room with the kids, and they're playing. My grandson, Liam, who's two, my granddaughter, Eleanor, who's one, and they got into war over a toy. And Liam, even though he's older, he, man, he, he wanted it bad. He called it his, and he wrestled it away from his sister. And Eleni's tough, man. She's going back after it and reaching. And, and this is a battle. And I look over at Liam, and I said, stop. I said, give that to your sister. And he looked at me and goes, no. And I said, Liam, you give that to your sister. And he stood there like almost shaking. And I said, dude, that's not who you are. Come on, give it to her. And he walked over and he handed it over and she took it in that little one-year-old voice. She said, thank you. And then he turned and he's shaking and he's just, breaking and he starts crying and he ran and dove in my arms and you know I got to tell you being a, a grandfather in that moment I'm hugging on him thinking yeah that's the boy I want you to be because what you were is not going to make you happy and what you just did is going to really open you up to a life that's incredible and I'm hugging on him and loving him and I'm proud of him and oh it was good and I know there's no one here who knows the Lord who wouldn't go that's what God does isn't that what the Lord does to us? And that night I said, Lord, I'm so sorry because hey, I'm not perfect. And he looked and said, but I love you with the perfect love, Chuck. And I threw myself in his arms. Some of you today need to do that. Some of you today, you need to throw yourself in the arms of God. Maybe it's for the very first time to say, you know what? I'm not going to be a religious person. I'm going to start being like Mary and have a very real relationship. And I'm going to love the Lord and I'm going to let him love me. And how do you do that? You're ready? You tell him. Jesus has called out to you. He wants you. The question is, are you ready to say yes? And if you are, it starts by saying yes, by you praying a prayer. And we're going to do that in a moment. And you just say, all right, here I am, Lord. I repent of my sin. I repent of my failures. I repent of bad attitudes. And I now want to be yours. And I know you died on the cross to wipe all those away and to forgive me and cleanse me. I want it. And that's what you'll begin to tell him today. There's some of you right now you need to do it because you're, you're actually functioning based on hurt and pain, not on love. And you need to say, God, I'm not going to let that happen anymore. I'm going to give myself to you. Some of you are holding on to a grudge or, or you're holding on to a wound that someone has inflicted in your life. You need to let go of that. There might be some of you today who there's a word called shame. You're ashamed deep down of some things in your life. And you know what? God sees them and knows them and loves you anyway. You need to let go and say, all right, wipe that away. I don't want to be that person anymore. 
Some of you need to let go and let God right now. And how do you do it? You say yes to him. It starts with that. But as you begin to tell God you're ready to say yes, the next step is to show it in a lavish way. Show it in a lavish way. Mary did what she did in front of everybody. And today, if you really want to give yourself to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to privately pray and whisper a prayer with me right where you're sitting. And then I'm going to ask you to, to show it in a way that everyone knows. By, and as we stand and sing in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to make your way to an aisle and to come down here and let us meet you. Make your way to the stairs. People would love to let you out. And as you walk, you're going to, in a very lavish way, do something out of our cultural norm and say, you know what? Today I am making this walk to say I'm God's. It's a way of worshiping Him. It's a way of proclaiming Him. And when you do that, you're going to sense you and God connecting in an amazing way. You could bring someone with you if you want, but I can tell you this, even if you don't, you're going to sense God upon you. Then we're going to ask you to go to this room we call our living room, and we want to give you a passport and give you a Bible, hear a little of your story. We're not going to interrogate you. We want to give you some things so you walk out of here knowing what to do to keep growing in your walk with God. But in saying to God, yes, and in walking out and saying, God, I want everyone to know something happens in us that's amazing. So today, if you need to say yes to God, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer and come. Today, if you need to recommit your life to God, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer and come. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would truly move on my heart and the heart of every single person here. Lord, I pray we would love you with all our heart, mind, and soul, which means we can't love ourselves that way. But I know in loving you like that, more love pours into our life, more satisfaction pours into our life, more victory, more, you just lavish. We can't out-love you or out-give you. You just keep pouring back. And Lord, today, I think there's some people here who need that kind of love. They need right now to open up to you. They need to be willing to trust you. They need to say yes to you. So I ask for your Holy Spirit to touch them. And Lord, I know right now some marriages could change if just some people would say yes. I know right now some emptiness would be filled if people would say yes. I know right now there's some freedom that would be gained from people who are caught in things and want it stop and have not been able to stop if they just say yes. And God, I know there's some significance for people who know that what they're doing right now, it doesn't matter. But they can now live a life that matters. So, Lord, we pray you would touch people. Lord, I think there's a woman here today who's just been hurt time and time again. And today she's about to be healed if she'd just say yes. So I pray for everybody now who needs you, Lord. I'm going to lead a prayer right now. I'm going to ask you, if you're ready to say yes to God or to come back to him, recommit to him, I'm going to ask you to whisper this prayer with me. Before I lead it, I want to give you just a second. Think, are you ready to say yes to him? He wants you. So right now, let's just pray this prayer. Whisper these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross. Because you want me to be completely cleansed of sin. Because you want me to be completely healed of hurt because you want me free. Free from myself, free from worry, free from the past. You died so I could be brand new, so I could be free, and so I could be yours. So I say yes to you and to your love, 
and I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit. And show me the life I'm meant to live and help me be the person I've always, I've always been meant to be. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, praise God.